Well, hello again. This is Kevin Jones with a post-Sunday podcast from Connection Church in Maine. We are dedicating this podcast to reviewing the service from this past Sunday. This is the week 20 edition, and we want to look at some of the songs maybe or some parts of the message that I either didn't present or expound on some of the things that were discussed. I'm so glad you've joined us. Let's sit back and enjoy this time together. All right, so this past Sunday, we sang a song titled The Heart of Worship. Now, this is a familiar classic song, and I think for as many years as I've sung it, there's a particular line that has stood out to me. I'd like to read it for you. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. Well, now that that poses an interesting question, doesn't it? So what is it then? that God requires in worship. That's a funny thing to consider, isn't it? That God actually requires something of us in our worship. Now, this doesn't have to be a confusing thing because we see a bit of it, a snapshot of it, in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, those were, those were Jesus' words, and this spells out for us a requirement of worship. I want to read that last verse one more time. God is spirit, and those who worship him must, or we might say, are required to worship in spirit and and truth. Well, that's a two-edged sword, isn't it? That we have to worship in spirit. So it's not just a mental or emotional thing. It's something much, much deeper than just mentally assenting that, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord. Yes, so I'll sing this song. And it's certainly not uh, something that is just emotional. It's much deeper, which is what the song implies. You search much deeper within, the song says. But the other side of that is we must worship in spirit and truth. So our hearts and our minds and our emotions all must agree with the words that we're singing while we're worshiping in this way. Now, there's lots of ways to worship, and we'll probably be discussing some of that this Sunday. But be clear here, we must worship. We are required to worship in spirit and truth. So I just want to throw that out at you that uh, the heart of worship is not all about you and it is not all about me. The heart of worship, it's all about him. One other thing from that song that definitely stands out is the line it says, I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it, speaking of worship. So what are some of the things we've made worship? Well, we've we've certainly made worship a lot about us, right? Um, we, we also tend to think of worship as a section of the service. Well, we have uh, worship, then we have welcome and announcements, and then we have the reading of the Word of God. We think of this as a section. Uh, and the problem with that is the entire Sunday morning experience is a worship service, the entire thing. And the problem with that ideology is 
that worship is just about songs or the song section of the service is then it becomes an option which can be adjusted or, or moved around or done whatever we want with it. No, worship is so much more than the song. Even this song that we're describing, worship is all about our hearts reflecting his glory back to him that he might be magnified. This past Sunday, we discussed Mark 6, 53 through 56. And there's a few sections in this that were really, really powerful that uh, even as I prepared for the message, really wreaked havoc on my heart. Um, I'd like to discuss one of those things. And that's, did you notice that once they arrived at Gennesaret, Jesus did all the healing. He did all the ministry work. And that even though the disciples were experienced at preaching the gospel, laying hands on the sick and casting out demons, they wouldn't be doing that in Gennesaret. Um, you know, partly I, I think the reason for that is in the boat experience, when they were out on the sea and it's, the winds are coming against them and Jesus walks out on the water to reveal his power and his glory to them, they didn't know who he was. Even after he spoke to them and said who he was, they still didn't know him. I think the reality is that they needed to sit and watch here in Gennesaret and see Jesus, be reminded of who he was, learn him even greater. And to be fair, I think we're all in that boat. I think many times we're involved in ministry work, we're involved in doing the work of the kingdom, and we're very busy at it. And Jesus shows up right in the middle of our hardships, and we don't realize who he is. He'll even speak to us minister to our hearts, try to calm our fears, and we don't recognize his voice. You know, here in Gennesaret, the disciples' function was to support Jesus, to serve Jesus, to be there for him. And I believe that that is actually the ideal model for ministry. Let him lead the charge. Let him lead the way. We're there to support, to serve, to do whatever is asked of us in that moment. I think any other model is really a grab at authority or a claim at popularity. We have zero power, zero authority of our own. Everything we have in regards to, to serving others, to ministry to others, is all dependent on Jesus. Um, you know, it's interesting that even though before Jesus had sent them out on a missionary trip, he had invited them to do that work with him. Here in Gennesaret, they're here to take a back seat and let Jesus do the work, which actually reminds me of what the title was going to be for this past week's message. It was going to be Shotgun or Backseat, because I think far too often we're quick to assume the driver's seat of our lives. In fact, I, I mentioned the song, Jesus Take the Wheel. What in the world are we doing behind the wheel to begin with? Jesus should be the one behind the wheel. At best, we might assume shotgun, as if to say, Jesus, I think I see where we're headed, but you lead the way. I'm right here doing whatever you need. I think that's a great idea. But the sad truth is many of us aren't even ready for shotgun. Um, many of us really should just take back seat and just say, you know, Jesus, you lead the way. I have no idea what's going on. I'm just with you. 
And while that's a sad truth, it's even better than us trying to take command of something we have no right or authority to do. So that was the first thing that jumped out at me. Uh, then there was something else that I, I had in my notes, but I scratched them out. I decided not to, to go into it this Sunday, and I want to share it with you right now. I had mentioned that there had been a curse on the city of Bethsaida. You may recall that uh, I mentioned that I think part of the reason that Jesus did not take them to Bethsaida is because the hardness of the people's hearts there. In Luke 10, uh, there's a curse that Jesus pronounces on Bethsaida. In verse 13, he says, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Just one quick point that I want to follow up on that, and this is what I had left out, is that the curse that Jesus placed on them, on that city, Bethsaida, it took effect in real life in the year 363 A.D., there was a massive earthquake which decimated Bethsaida. You know, and we look at those sorts of things. We say, well, you know, that's circumstantial. It, it could have happened anywhere, anytime. But take close attention to this next bit. The city was rebuilt, but it was abandoned and lost to history until just recent excavations. So even when they tried to rebuild the city, it just never worked out. I'm telling you, when Jesus curses something, it is cursed to death. But when Jesus speaks life, uh, he says that I've come that you might have life and that much more abundantly. And that's my prayer for us is that as we walk in Christ, we'll experience the glory of his life in us and that we would shine that life to people all around us. Well, thank you again for joining us for Post Sunday Podcast. Uh, it's my sincere desire that together as we reflect on what God was speaking to our hearts on Sunday, uh, as we do that throughout the week, we're reminded and these things become fresh in us again. Uh, I'm grateful for you. I'm so glad that you listened. I hope you'll join us Sunday either uh, in person right here in Franklin at the Franklin Veterans Club here in Maine, or uh, maybe you can join us online at Facebook. You can find us right there. Either way, I hope you'll be a part with us. God bless. Talk to you soon.